the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. What a beautiful day. Uh, Just news that came across that kind of bummed me out a little bit, but Let's start thinking positively. Nothing, no nothing, can beat hard work. Success is, is, isn't always about greatness. It's about consistency. Consistent hard work leads to success. Greatness will come. Striving for success without hard work is like trying to harvest when you haven't planted. I think it was David Bly, by the way. Success is simple. Do what's right the right way at the right time. And uh, I believe that was, uh, I can't remember who that was. Anyway, so uh, the reason I'm talking about hard work is I think uh, if you're a Republican like I am, I think we got some hard work in front of us. And uh, I look forward to it. Anyway, um, you know, I always send you to my webpage. And if you go to WHK 1420 AM and go to local podcast. Uh, down to the Smart Investor Show, you uh, you can go right to my webpage from there. And uh, uh, look, there's some good stuff on there that you can get. It's our top idea list, our small cap list, our dividend growth list, our prime income list, uh, you know, a lot of good stuff. Plus, uh, for you guys that own business, guys and gals that own businesses, want to, uh, you know, are moving out of that business sometime in the future, we have a business owner's guide to transition planning. Trust me, uh, if you're going with private equity, they're going to try to steal your business, and we can help you with that too. But we also, this business transition planning is how you how you go about doing it the right way. And then, look, interest rates are the lowest they've ever been. They ain't going to stay that way, my humble opinion. So I think uh, the Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook is something everybody should get. So, all right. So, uh, you know, Joe Biden is claiming um, – that he won that presidency. We're going to get to that in a second. But first of all, shipping a coronavirus vaccine around the world will be the airline industry's biggest ever challenge, requiring the equivalent of 8,000 jumbo jet planes to get a single dose to 7.8 million people. Uh, that's according to the aviation industry, by the way. National Geographic last year spelled it out in alarming terms. The United States uses more than 36 billion disposable utensils a year laid end-to-end that could wrap around the globe 139 times. Switzerland has the most breweries per million inhabitants in Europe. It has 120 breweries for every million of its residents, even though it's exactly, it isn't exactly known as one of the premier beer markets. So Czechoslovakia is actually considered the highest consumption rate, and in Germany was number two. So there you go. Uh, you know, I, I was looking at things, and... and uh, a lot of people are, you know, having some tough times with the election, and I get it. And um, look, I, I want people to understand something, and I think this is what you have to understand, is that the stock market is all about one thing. Earnings, earnings, earnings. Okay? But first, this is a live show. If you'd like to call in, 216. 216- 901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. So what do we have to do? And I'm going to, I'm going to go step by step. What I'm going to do is talk about fundamentals and technicals. Then I'm going to talk about the U.S. election. Then I'm going to talk about how you can make money. Okay. And then I'm also going to talk about the, you know, uh, what Tom Lee said this week at Fundstrat and the digital world, because I think it's important. So look, fundamentals are looking at things like product acceptance, management, earnings, uh, the, the pricing of the stock. Is it expensive? Is it, is it cheap? 
Is there a moat around the business, I always say. The technical side is the internal strength, the trend, the relative strength, the momentum of the stock, okay? So what we're trying to do is put one of these together, all right? Uh, I know that's hard, but it is interesting. Um, investors tend to separate the fundamental and technical analysis of, of stocks into different disciplines when, like many things in the world, they're interconnected, okay? So the vast majority of stock market investing that takes place is done for fundamental factors of growth and earnings. And the estimates of potential future growth of the business trends, that type of thing. Investors then act on these fundamentals and, and then they affect the price of the stock. When the fundamentals opinions are improving, stocks tend to rise and vice versa. All right. So the fundamentals come first. But what you want to do is sometimes the fundamentals take a while. And so what you want to be doing is watching those graphs to see if there are breakouts or there's relative strength or there's is improving or the the uh, uh, the volume is picking up. You know, sometimes volume picks up first, you know, smoke before fire, if you will. OK, so these are some of the things that you have to think about. Now, somebody asked me, OK, Tim, uh, you know, what happens, you know, if this happens and this happens? Look, we have an. A presidential election, which is, you know, the controversies are still boiling, especially with Mr. Biden's announcement today, uh, or most people, the, the press loves it. Uh, I can never I can never buy a newspaper again, I don't think. But the, the look, uh, there's going to be a kind of a status quo, I think, is, is that I'm, a, I'm thinking that the Republicans hold on to the Senate. If they don't, uh, things could get a little bit crazy for a while, I think. But um you know, look, I think there's, uh, if I look at the market pulse right now, U.S. stocks rallied into the aftermath of, this, of the election, which is interesting. And the Canadian yields fall on U.S. stimulus uncertainty. Canadian yields. European stocks go up, uh, you know, because of, of Biden presidency hopes, right? And then the China plans to double its GDP by 2035, which is kind of interesting, I think. So. Look, I think if the Republicans hold the Senate and they they gain drastically in the House, there's a couple things that are, are important. Healthcare is very cheap right now. The healthcare stocks. So the sector's projected fundamental trends are solid for most of 2021. The earnings growth is estimated at 13 percent, more than double this year's estimate, and that's according to you know several different uh, things. So the sector's PE ratio. Uh, is roughly in line with its long-term average, but it's also very cheap compared to the S&P 500. Uh, the pharma segment should continue to benefit as you know, COVID treatments and that type of things do well. Um, I think financials, um, look, what we're seeing is yields start to bounce occasionally here and there. And uh, if yields pick up, financials will pick up with it. So uh, the banks are cheap. Let's just put it this way. Uh, but it's interesting that the U.S. record equities have rallied into the aftermath of, of an election that some people think is determined, but most people don't. So what happens if Biden wins? OK, because that's the way things are leaning. And uh, I hate to I'm not giving in. I'm just that's the way they're leaning right at the moment. But I think you have to remember that it isn't the market's job to mold to your viewpoints. It's your job to mold to the market's viewpoints. So what I've been talking about for six months now is the environmental, social, and governance portfolios, okay? The screening for e-friendly ideas, shall we say, environmentally friendly ideas, uh, socially acceptable ideas, all right? They're out there and they're moving, all right? I, I briefly talked about some solar stocks back in the spring. Jinko Solar did nothing for three months then it went from 22 to 90, okay? So there are things that are going to happen. And look, right now, what you've got to understand is the assets under management on ESG doubled. Okay? They doubled in 2020. So there's inflows into that area. BlackRock is almost totally ESG now. So, uh, you know, I think you've got to think that way. Um, and, and what are some things that fit in that way? Industrial, industrials and tech uh, make up the largest weightings of these funds. Some solar, some electric utilities, you know, that type of thing. Uh, but, you know, at least I got a list of all the most popular names in that area. 
And I think it's important that you understand that. But uh, anyway, the, the point is, is that, um, look, you've got to understand that this is the wave of the future, especially under a Democrat president, okay? Uh, that's the way they think. Now, look, I want you to think back a little bit. And um, if, if what we talked about the last couple of weeks is earnings, 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 and more earnings, okay? So a president can affect those earnings in a certain way, all right? If he raises the you know, tax rates up as high as he says he's going to, which I, I don't think will happen with Mitch McConnell in the, in the Senate. But if he, if he does that, he's going to affect the earnings, and we'll have to change our view, okay? That's, the change is constant in the stock market. Remember that. But I think the important part is, is that if you took $10,000 50 years ago and you just went into the Republican presidencies, you have $194,000. If you did it with just the Democrats, you'd be 202. If you did it for the entire time, you'd have almost $2 million. Okay? And that's without making a change. So there's a reason that we look for the leaders in the market. Okay? And that's what I think is going to be important. So, uh, you know, Bob Dickey does a, you know, a great job with this. And uh, I think it's important that you, that you understand that, uh, uh, you know, there we are. I mean, you, you just got to start to think. Okay, now one of the things that we've talked about is um, the Internet of Things. And, and I think that's important because, you know, I talked about that three, four years ago, and people kept asking me about it. Well, the, the volume of the Internet of Connected Devices back in 2019 was 14 zettabytes. Okay, if you know that, that's a huge amount. It is by by 2020, they think it's going to be 79. That's a huge amount, huge amount. So everything's going to be interconnected. Okay, look, you now can you know you got an iWatch, and or you can get uh, you know there's a company out there that has a, a a thing for your heart that gives your doctor all your all your wavelengths. Okay, from a thousand miles away, they can do it. Okay, and uh, you know, there's everything's going to be connected. Okay, you're already connecting. You can already turn the lights on in your house from 25 miles away by phoning in. You can turn up the heat in your house. That's that's happening all over. So that's one way we can make money. Okay, Uh, some other things I think you have to take a look at. In my humble opinion, is uh, what we talked about. The 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 digitalization of the world, okay, which is picked up big time. And uh, look, I think there's no, nothing's immune here, okay? And uh, I think that's very important too. So I think you have to be thinking about, uh, you know, Mark Mahaney and Matt Hedberg, our two top analysts, I think, about, you know, their rocket ships and their fish hooks in, in Mark's case. And, 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 Hedberg, and he's got all the, the companies in the what we call the corporate software area. Those are ESG stocks for sure. I think if you look at, you know, we go back to what we talked about back in, you know, in April, I guess it was, that none of the net stocks were immune. They went down for a while, but now they're picking back up and people are, are looking at them. And the COVID crisis had created structural winners out there, all right? And that the internet advertising names have been negatively impacted. Same with the travel names. Uh, and retail names have been affected, but are turning. So there'll be structural winners, and cost management and liquidity are really the big focus right at this point. So I think that's what you got to do. And I think, you know, as he said, there'll be rocket ships and, and horseshoes. So uh, something to think about. Anyway, um, let's uh, let me go. Oops. I lost my place. Hold on, folks. Um, but I think. Uh, if we if we look, um, you know what what you'll find here, in my humble opinion, is some stuff that I think, you know, well it'll it'll be uh, I, I think what we'll we'll start to see is uh, something that you know most of us are are not really looking for, and that is the emergence of the epicenter stocks. Look, we're coming near the end of the year. And at the end of the year, people look for the losers 
to buy for a trade. Okay, so we do have the opportunity here. We got a lot of losers out there. You know, the, the airlines, the cruise lines, the, uh, you know, all, all those th- things that are in the travel industry, the hotels, whatever. I mean, you know, there's a couple of hotel companies that had surprise profits last week. All right. So I think we're getting into that time of year where you have to start to pay attention to what's down. All right. We're getting, you know, January, uh, November through January 15th are usually the best time of the year to invest. All right, so don't get bearish. It's smart. All right, look, things happen in, in politics that we can't, none of us can completely uh, control. All right, uh, it's a dirty game out there. I mean, look, I lived in Chicago for a, a long time, and I read the newspaper and just shook my head, and uh, you know, I couldn't couldn't believe that uh, things really happened like they were happening. <laughs> uh, but the point is, is that um, you know. We're looking at a, uh, a scenario, in my humble opinion, uh, that you know we will probably be seeing for a, a long, long time uh, is divided elections, and uh, you know we can't let it get to us or to our portfolio. More important, okay? Um, and and I think that's what's the uh, important part. You know, you don't let it get to your uh, portfolio. Uh, be smart. Use your head. And and go after things that uh, uh, that can make you money. And, and and look, I think it's important. You know, uh, Tom Lee's been right as rain on this whole market, and he's with Fundstrat. And all he's talking about is, you know, we're at that time of year where people start to buy uh, things that are down. And you know, you get the Santa Claus rally, the fiscal stimulus. You get uh, you know uh, your COVID rollover, that type of thing. It favors the epicenter if we get a vaccine therapy, so you get a global stimulus, and you still got strong recovery, and China's still strong, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, um, of course, if you leave your house there, you get shot in the head. So um, anyway, I just think, uh, you know, we got to think ahead. All right. So think ahead. We'll be right back. This is Tim Hayes. This is Smart Investor Show. Uh, the number here is 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. Call me the gangster of love. Some people call me Maurice. Okay, we're back. And uh, I want to mention, you know, our webpage again. I forgot to mention that, you know, there's on the on my webpage, there's uh, the bulletin board where Bob Dickey is every day. And Bob is our head technical analyst. And sometimes if you see what's going on in the market, you can comprehend it a little bit better. Also, explore the insights tab. I'm telling you, there's a lot of good stuff on there. And it's, it, it makes me, uh, you know, happy to be part of RBC. Hey, look, I was looking at the... Uh, some charts and uh, let's just go over those a little bit. I've been talking about this digital world. And one of the things that could screw up the digital world is inflation and what they've done with the dollar. I mean, they've thrown billions and trillions and trillions. I mean, probably six, seven trillion dollars out there. And the definition of inflation, as I know it, is too many dollars chasing too few goods or too much of a currency chasing too few goods. It sounds like to me that they've thrown a lot of money out there. Now I've been I've been bearish on the dollar as you know for a pretty long time. I you know back in uh, March and April I was very bearish on it, and I look at the UUP, which is the dollar index, and uh, it it looks like it hit a new low <laughs> last week. Uh, and, and that by the way that's been part of the reason uh, that our markets have been breaking out. But it's been if you notice I've been talking about this barbell approach. You know uh, put your Consumer staple stocks in the middle, your your technology stocks, and you know the the Fang stocks on the left, and, and industrial stocks on the right. Well, industrial stocks have been breaking out. I mean, uh, there's several that I own hit new highs on Friday. Uh, but the one thing I've been talking about, and I've been talking about since last September, and I must admit, uh, I was I was early. I talked about this thing at thirty, you know, seven thirty eight uh, dollars a share, but. Uh, I talked about the emerging markets ETFs, and uh, 
it is clearly broken out, and that is usually because of a dollar. And if you look, the dollar index and the EEM are almost, if you put the charts on them together, they're almost, you know, perfectly, uh, you know, matched, all right, going the opposite directions. So uh, the, the emerging markets have started to break out. I would suggest that that's very positive for commodities. I know, you know, some of the copper manufacturers are breaking out, uh, copper miners. Now, uh, look, the S&P 500 had a pretty volatile week. You know, we started off the week down and then we took off. And one of the uh, rest indicators shows a bull market, okay, Uh, running into early October and then kind of we will get a little frothy there. So we're we're getting this price pattern. It's kind of a uh, we're in between, uh, you know, certain points where it's a sideways consolidation. We're near the top of that right now. And I think that will, that will probably continue for a while to everything we, you know, we, we figure out what the heck's really going on. Um, so what I'm suggesting is, uh, you, know, you know, we probably need a few more bulls <laughs> to get going. And uh, look, people have asked me, you know, hey, uh, Tim, I, you know, what are you doing now? And, and first of all, I'm sticking with my leaders. Uh, I'm not as much in the fangs as some of the other stocks, but I think technologies there, consumer discretionary, communication services, and healthcare and materials are the places you want to be. That seems to be where the winners are coming from. So uh, I'll just say that now. And, uh, you know, uh, I guess the question is, and, and you know, we, we had this dip in uh, the, the treasury yields, and then they, they dipped a little bit, but the market didn't you know, dipped a little bit and then turned right around. So the question is, uh, you know, was the dip for good? <laughs> and I don't know the answer to that. Um, you know, I, I will say this. If I looked at the, the, the Treasury yield, uh, especially the, like the, the, you know, the 10-year Treasury yield, and I I looked at it at, at the, uh, the overall uh, markets, you know, when the Treasury yield was going up, the market was heading south. And when it started heading south, then it started turning up. So we'll see what happens, you know, from here. But I, I think it's a, uh, it's a scenario where you, you want to be uh, – well, what's, what's the best way to put this? Uh, look, I'm bullish, okay? I'd love to say I'm not, but I'm bullish. And I, I, I noticed that the VIX almost broke down. It didn't break down completely. But I did notice the volatility. You remember, I've been talking about that—the volatility staying up too much. And um, but look, there's some there's some positive things going on here. And uh, you know, I, I think it's the amount of money. But I looked at the S and P 500 and the RSI. If you don't know what that is, you should. It's positive. Uh, the stochastics are positive. All right, and I, I've got a couple stocks that I really like. Uh, one that's been down and out for a long, long time, and the other one uh, is breaking out a little cup and handle formation. So. There are stocks out there that look really good, and uh, I think you know it, it's one of those things that uh, people. I, I don't think people are as uh, you know as bullish as they should be. That's my opinion. Uh, but look, it's it's the best time of the year for the markets. Okay, and I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Uh, uh, you know, if if uh, one is trying to uh, you know, outperform everybody else. Uh, that might be a little bit difficult to do, but I'm starting to see some small caps go. I'm starting to see some broadening of the market, and I also noticed that the financials aren't going down as much as they used to, which is interesting. So, look, we had right into month end, we had a nine to ten percent uh, equity correction, uh, and and I I said last week I thought the tactical indicators were kind of oversold. Uh, I didn't jump in. Because I was a little bit worried about the election, and I was wrong. I should have jumped in, but the VIX remains elevated, and I. So I'm still. I'm, well, I don't think we're at the bottom, the final bottom yet. But look, cyclicals are bottoming, and in both real price and relative performance, which I think is important. And and uh, so we're, we're getting a broadening out. Um, I've got a lot of examples of that. Uh, it's, it's amazing. My friends at Marshfield own a couple of these. Uh, I don't know if they bought them. We bought them a while back. You know, they don't usually uh, buy stuff that's going up. But 
Look, one of the things I did notice, the S&P 500, the daily momentum was becoming, was, was becoming very oversold. And, uh, and I was looking at this stuff on Tuesday, and boy, it turned quick. Um, but we are in this, uh, you know, this range, and it's from 3,250 to 3,600, we'll call it. And if, if we break out of that range, it'd be great. But we do have three tops in the VIX, you know, and they stall out around 41, maybe 42, somewhere around there. Three times it stalled out there. So it'll be interesting to see if when it stalls, the, the market turns around. Uh, uh, and even in the, the, if I look at the VXN, which is the NASDAQ one, we've had two and then a lower top. So that's a good positive things going on there. Now, the S&P 500 advanced decline line did not turn up as much as you thought it would, but it did hold support. And I think that's uh, really a very positive thing. So uh, um, now the CBO, uh, CBOE put the call ratio, which we talked about three or four weeks ago, has been positive. Okay. It, it was very, very, uh, nobody's buying puts, everybody's buying calls. Now we're back up around, uh, uh, you know, almost uh, 75, 0.75. So uh, that, that's a little bit better. It's not an extreme level, like, you know, at 1.3 or 1.4 that occurs sometimes like it did in March. Uh, but that's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a positive development anyway, you know, and I think that's what's important. So, um, and some other things that I've seen that I really like is the Russell. Um, the Russell 2000 held, right? It's 200-day moving average. And I think that's a, it's a big, important thing. And the relative performance versus the S&P 500 right now is on the cups of uh, breaking out the new, 2020 highs, which is very, very important uh, in Tim's humble opinion. Um, you know, if the small caps have done nothing since basically uh, 2013, 14, maybe, uh, and now they're starting to, to move in, and, and that's kind of good. All right. Um, now, I did see a couple things I didn't like, like this consumer discretionary. You know, if I'm looking at short term trading, it uh, kind of turned down a little bit. And some of the technology, what I call the established technology, turned down. Uh, I'm seeing some, you know, some of the other technologies, small cap in nature and that type of thing, turn back up, which is always good, you know. So you, you want that to happen. Uh, but I'm also seeing some things that, you know, we haven't talked about automobiles and components and, and consumer durables and materials uh, are turning up. Capital goods are starting to turn up. So, uh, you know, these are the type of things that we really like to see. Now, I'm even seeing some of the banks and insurance and diversified financials starting to turn up. Uh, they're, and the other thing I'll say is they're not going down as much, which is important. Okay. Very, very important. So we'll just leave it at that. So, uh, look, we're going to take a break here. We're going to come right back uh, with um, uh, our thing on the bullish percent. If you've got any questions, you call in at 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. With Eric Clapton's guitar in the background. There, there we go. Anyway, uh, so this is where we talk about the bullish percent, and uh, the bullish percent is simply our risk monitor for the markets. Okay, and uh, it was unusual because uh, it was in a column of O's last week, and it did not turn up on Thursday. I, I looked at the wrong posting. So for you out there that I sent the email to. Uh, it did not turn up, okay? But uh, look, I, I did see a couple things. Uh, you know, people are now talking about legalizing sports gambling, and uh, there's a couple names out there that are in a couple ETFs that follow that. And I noticed those uh, are looking really attractive. Um, look like they're getting ready. The momentum's turning up on those. So for those of people who like those type of things, also, Look, the post-election day rally was huge for the momentum spread. And the momentum spread measures the performance of high-momentum stocks, less uh, low-momentum stocks or lagger stocks. And the spread began the, the day strong and continued to widen through the day. 
So they're going back to the winters. Why is that important? Look, we're getting to that time of year. Remember, uh, December, uh, we have the January effect, and it's coming, coming to a theater near you. And most people don't believe it, but uh, the laggards were energy uh, and uh, yeah, I think financials uh, were the uh, the worst. But um, for the leaders, it was pretty strong across the board. It was technology, healthcare rally big, especially if they think uh, you know there's a divided government. Consumer cyclical, industrial, financials were less. Okay, so uh, basic materials were weren't up so much. So. Uh, I think, you know, went right back to momentum stocks. It'll be interesting to see if that changes. Although I did, you know, I did have five industrial stocks break out the new highs. So uh, anyway, so we talk about the bullish percent and uh, the bullish percent was designed by, uh, designed by a protege of Charles Dow way back in the early, late 20s, actually. And he wanted to be bullish. He actually made the call, uh, you know, to a bunch of friends saying, hey, get out of the market back in 29. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I read the, the history of it. And uh, so basically what this does, it's a point and figure chart and point and figures are X's and O's, all right? Uh, it's kind of the box theory, how I made $2 million in the in the uh, market by Nicholas Darvis. You know, that type, of, he's, he's using that theory, all right? So what we do is we put an X on when we break out to a new box and we put an O on when we, uh, you know, that always... O's are distribution, X's are accumulation. I'll just suggest that accumulation happens a lot slower than distribution. It's that simple, okay? And uh, what we found was uh, uh, the chart goes from zero to 100. When you get over 70, things are too hot to handle. Remember, just two months ago, we were at 70, okay? And when we get below 30, that's when everybody's you know crying their beer and they don't want to buy, buy anything, and that's the best time. So what it does, it keeps you frightened when everybody else is greedy, and it makes you greedy when everybody else is frightened. And people think I'm nuts. I mean, I had several people on this show uh, email me in March and say, I told them I was buying, and they said, you're nuts. Well, I'm nuts to the tune of about 15 18% on the upside. So if that's being nuts, <laughs> I'll be nuts all day. By the way, I... I I just got two emails, and one of them said there is no Czechoslovakia, and I apologize. Uh, I was reading from my notes, and uh, the notes were somebody else's mistake, so uh, this is a live show. And the other one says, Tim, as a financial planner, how come you cannot recommend bonds? Well, I have recommended bonds on the show before, uh, but you got to remember, interest rates are at an all-time low. And let me ha- tell you what happened the last time interest rates to- went to an all-time low, and the Federal Reserve did what they're doing now. Johnson & Johnson's bonds, the highest rated bond in the world, went from 105 to 52 during that period of time when, it, when interest rates went soaring up in the air. So as a financial planner, you have to look at risk. And, you know, when interest rates go up, bonds go down. So therefore, you have to maintain that thought process. Uh, so you want to, I think the 60-40 portfolio is dead is what I'm trying to tell you. Anyway, so we did not, as of Thursday, okay, we did not go into column of X's. I thought it was interesting. We were down 7.2% uh, for the week to 48, which is a pretty good number, and 5.2% from the over-the-counter index. Uh, so the question is, did Friday, do we turn up? And I don't know the answer to that. So the world index is, was down 4 to 39, so that's getting to a, a point where you're, you, know, you want to pay attention. What I, I did see was interesting was all the major positive trend indicators held steady, okay? So domestic equities are still the number one asset class, although I noticed that international equities have now creeped ahead of the S&P 500. So the S&P has not been the place to be, obviously. It's been the QQQs. But, uh, you know, I think if you look, the historical data tells us that, you know, uh, if we look at dynamic asset level investing, we want to be technology, consumer cyclicals, healthcare, communication services, and industrials. Um, energy, real estate, utilities are, are dead last. And uh, look, we've we've the only thing that's been really positive for the last couple of weeks has been the the emerging markets, okay, and the small caps and the mid caps. Uh, so that's what's been outperforming, and I've been talking about that. And like I said, if we turn back up and our relative performance starts to 
to uh, pick up. I think small caps could outperform for some time. Now, I, I keep talking about these triangle patterns that they've developed. We were in O's last week. We're now in a column of X's. Uh, you know, we would break out on the QQQs at uh, 295, I think, or 300. And on the S&P 500, it would be 350, somewhere around there. Uh, but the even the I look at the small caps, they're in the same thing. And if we hit 77 on the IJR, which is the S&P 500, uh, uh, 600, I'm sorry, index fund for small caps. So if we were to break 77 on that chart, it would be a, another triangle pattern. Uh, probably the only thing that isn't uh, in a triangle pattern is the mid-cap shares. And the mid-caps uh, have some resistance over, you know, if you look at, and I'm talking about the, the mid-cap 400 index. I had some resistance at about two, up at 210. So if it would break two, 215, something like that, you'd be put another X on the on the chart and you'd be off to the races. So, you know, good positive stuff happening there. Um, some other things that I've noticed is uh, the Dow Jones remains to be the, kind of the dud. Uh, it's, it's got support at 265. Uh, now, it, it broke a double bottom just recently at 270 and then burst back up into a column of Xs. That's positive. Uh, but, you know, you don't like to see uh, double bottoms. It's got one of the smaller, uh, worst fund scores, too. The XLD, which is the, the, the S&P 500 top 50 stocks, is in that same position, but it did not break a double bottom. So it's got support at 250. It would break out at a 285, 295, somewhere around there. Uh, that'd be positive, too. So, you know, good stuff going on there. Equal weight could break a triple top if it gets to 116. That's the RSP. And that'd be the first time it would overtake the S&P 500, you know, in like two years, three years almost. So now the, the, the big news is, is the emerging markets. I looked at two or three different emerging markets ETFs. I'll use the EEM, for example, and our, and our friends at Dorsey Wright, uh, uh, you know, were really spot on on this just recently. It broke a double top at 45 and a half, and now it's broken a triple top at 46 and a half. So uh, I, what I like about that one is it's got a lot of uh, the technology stocks in the, the, the foreign market. So uh, now what's interesting uh, is that the EFA, which is the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index for International Stocks, this is the more developed com com uh, companies. It could break a triple top at 67. It's at 65, at the, I think it was 65 and a half at the close Friday. So that would be, uh, that's the first time we see anything happen in that uh, in a long time. We still have just 11 groups that are favored. I'm going to go from the most favored, or the, the, the I'm going to talk about just favored stocks. I'm sorry, and I'm going to go from the most overbought to the least overbought. Steel is at 64. We have nothing in the 70s anymore, folks. Machinery and chemicals are at 60. Housing at 54. Textiles, building, and gaming is at 50. That's a good place to start to look, by the way. Retails at 44. That's another good place. And restaurants and aerospace are at 40. Be interesting to see how aerospace uh, re reacts with Joe Biden. You know, people starting to talk about him being our president. Um, that that might be a problem. Um, he's, he's not exactly big on the aerospace business, so we'll see what happens. Uh, anyway, um, as far as uh, you know, what I've seen out there, precious metals went unfavored. Uh, software, leisure, financials, and business products. Uh, Slightly unfavored. Computers went to average, and textiles uh, were most favored. Now they're they're a step back on that. So, uh, um, you know, I was looking uh, at seasonality too. And if you if we were to put, uh, you know, uh, momentum with low volatility together, I think it'd pretty much outperform anything. So there we go. Um, let's see here. Uh, what's some other stuff we could talk about? Well, fixed income, um, you know, I was looking at the convertible bonds and they still look good. <laughs> They're still looking great. I've got three different convertible bond funds. I, our friends at Dorsey Wright highlighted the, the iShares convertible bond fund. It's got a fund score of almost six. Uh, you know, it would break a, a triple top at 85, uh, 86, maybe. Uh, you know, that's uh, I think that's the way I'd go. Crude oil went negative again for a couple of weeks. Gold's been negative for 11 weeks now and copper seven. And the dollar's starting to fade. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, the dollar's got a triangle pattern, but it's it's not on an up, you know, uh, normally a triangle pattern that where you're up on the index usually breaks to the north, okay, unless things change. 
when it's on a down a decline, it usually you got to watch for the the decline to the bottom. So if the dollar were to break ninety two, I would be seriously worried at that point, and I'd be long gold big. Uh, you know, I told you this summer gold got a little bit parabolic, and you should be uh, being careful. Relative strength is something we always talk about on this show, and it's all you're doing is comparing something to something else. Okay, in this case, it's the equal weight S and P five hundred com- compared to your stock, and here's some names: Agco. Hilltop Holdings, The Buckle, Comerica, CNO, uh, Community Healthcare, Mattel, Maztec, Plantronics, Redwood Trust, Systematics, Visteon, Brookfield Property Partners, and Avanos. Uh, you know, look, these sometimes these last for a long, long time. All right. Danaher uh, and a couple open texts. There's been several of them that have lasted for a long, long time. Pay attention. Cell signals are Akamai, Aon, Dexcom, Flowers, Eagle Bulk Shipping, Flutagyme. Intel and Macarit, uh, Nescout and Novavax. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back with Insiders and uh, also uh, wrap up what Bob Dickey said this week. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show, 216-901-0945-216-901-0945. Okay, we're back, and we have somebody on the line. And I forgot the name. <laughs> so, whoever you are, uh, what's going oh, on? Oh, hello, Tim. This is Greg. Greg, I'm can sorry. Can you hear me? Your name. <laughs> yeah, I can. That's all right. How are you? Hey, uh, I noticed these marijuana stocks, Aurora Cannabis, Canopy Growth, and Tilray all shot up like a rocket Friday. And uh, does that have something to do with the uh, transition of into? Uh, the Democrats or anything. That, that was my question. What do you, would you say some stocks up at this point? Yeah. And, you know, I've stayed away from these just because some of my clients don't like uh, marijuana stocks, uh, Greg. But look, they won in four states. They legalized marijuana for recreational uh, area. I mean, in, in, in uh, Port, I mean, in uh, Oregon, they legalized, you could have cocaine, uh, heroin, a certain amount, and uh, also meth. Okay. So, it's a big win for them. And uh, it's interesting that most of the rallies came in the Canadian stocks. So, yeah, I'm not sure what the, what the problem is (laughs) or, or, you know, how they got that transfused, but uh, you know, they did. So, but it was, I mean, uh, two thirds of it was in the Canadian uh, companies, but look, I didn't like them. I, I played them on the open, you know, when they came public. And then I, I dumped them, okay? Uh, I thought they were getting carried away. And uh, now might be a good time to, to uh, you know, uh, I think the election excitement's over, so they'll fade back a little bit. And, and uh, you know, if you're going to play them, that's when I play them. I, I, I'm not recommending them, Greg, but, you know, if you're going to do it, I'd wait, you know, to see if they come back a little bit to you. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Have a great day. Um, so let's talk about insiders. You know, we always talk about insiders because it's a great way to find ideas. And remember, they're early. We're looking for big buys. And uh, we're, you know, we were looking for multiple buys. If they're not big buys, that's something we've got to pay attention to. And um, I just think that this is, look, insiders know their company way better than we do. <laughs> it's that simple. And here's an interesting one. Merck bought a billion dollars. A billion dollars. That ain't chump change, folks. That's lots of money. In Seattle genetic stock three weeks ago, and it wasn't reported. Okay? Now, Seattle genetics got kind of hammered this last couple of weeks. And what's interesting is two of the smartest people I know, Merck, who knows dr- uh, cancer drugs pretty pretty well because they got the best-selling one on the market, K. Truda, and the Baker brothers, who have probably been the most successful investor in healthcare in the last 10 years. What an interesting concept, huh? Uh, also, I, you know, one sale, Jeff Bezos sold almost $3 billion worth of Amazon this week. Hmm. Second major sale in six months for Mr. Bezos. Remember, he sold $2.8 billion just this summer. So uh, something to think about anyway. And I think the, the other winner this week is Honeywell. Honeywell International, the actual company, has been buying stock. 
uh, just this week, the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth, they bought uh, sixty-eight thousand, what two hundred seventy-four thousand dollars worth, three hundred twenty, another twenty-three, and then on the 29th, they bought six point three seven five million, uh, and then uh, back on the on November second, they bought five hundred twelve thousand dollars worth, and then on October thirtieth, they bought another four hundred fifty thousand dollars worth. Uh, so quite a few people involved here, you know, so they're starting to buy quite a, quite a bit of stock and back Opco, our good man, you know, Phil Frost stepped to the plate and bought 600,000 shares to $2 million. That's an interesting company. It's got it's almost $1.2 billion in sales, no debt, and, uh, it can't get out of its own way. I think the shorts are, uh, you know, ganging up on it. Also, um, uh, Calvista Pharmaceuticals, which is very close to a new high, we had the uh, director Albert Cha buy 1.9 million, and then I noticed also B Riley Financial. We had quite a few buyers there. We had uh, uh, Bryant Riley, who's the chairman and co uh, our chairman and co CEO. He bought 1.5 million, uh, and also Randall Paulson, uh, who's a director, he's a pretty big shot, bought a, a million dollars worth, and. Uh, there was one other one, but I, I can't find it. So I, there was one other insider buy. It was smaller, but I take it from there. And then you may remember American Asset Trust. Uh, you know, back a year ago, these guys were buying with both hands. And uh, uh, actually, it's uh, Ernie Rady uh, that was buying. And now the stock's come right back to where he originally bought it. So he, he bought about $3 million worth on the, uh, the third and fourth. A third and fifth, and then in the fourth and the sixth, he bought another one point four, one point five million dollars each day there too, and then he bought another nine hundred seventy thousand on on the first. Uh, so let's shall we say he's been buying quite a bit. <laughs> uh, also, uh, we have uh, RGC Resources, which is interesting because it's a utility, and it's Nancy Ag, who's the the uh, uh, director. She's a very smart lady, by the way. She bought $1.5 million worth, okay? And uh, Keith Dunleavy, who's the CEO and chairman of uh, uh, Innovation Health uh, Holdings, which is a healthcare information company, they just got crushed last week. Uh, they were $26. They're now uh, $19. He stepped up and bought a million dollars worth. And uh, we talked about this guy, James Mahan, who uh, with Live Oaks Bank Shares, who's the CEO. Uh, he bought more stock this week, another 800000 Remember, he bought several times last week. Now, here's some names that uh, I saw that I haven't seen insiders buy for a while. Number one, uh, Fred Tomzak uh, at the CBOE, which is down, you know, hasn't been doing very well. He bought a half a million dollars of stock. And then Andrew uh, Liveris at IBM, he bought uh, some stock. You know, IBM's been getting hit. Uh, just a couple hundred thousand dollars worth. But then we had Joe Swedish buy a couple hundred thousand dollars worth. And there was one other, uh, I can't find it. Anyway. And then uh, Galoob, which is the Galoob Capital Management, which is an asset manager. What they do is they lend money to small companies and then take their debt and their equity and take it from there. I noticed that Larry and David Galoob, who are the chairman and, and chief executive officer, bought four or five times last week. Uh, and you may recall they bought quite a bit uh, several weeks ago. So uh, something to think about and take it from there. Now, look, um, I, I said last week we were near support. And <laughs> sure enough, we turned around uh, with a vengeance and, uh, uh, you know, went crazy on the upside. So, um, you know, we're, we're in this pattern of a series of flat tops and flat bottoms. So it's kind of a consolidation pattern, a sideways pattern, uh, whatever you want to call it. And I think it, it may stay that way for a while. So it'll be, um, it'll be interesting to see if we, you know, I mean, we're at the top end of that that pattern now and we'll see if if that continues now um with the s&p 500 it was kind of a it had a lower high with the dow jones and the nasdaq it was a, a flat top almost like uh uh you know flat top flat bottom you know bouncing up and down uh so uh, but the s&p 500 went right up to the downtrend line and stopped last week so i i think the stock market uh, indexes came off one of its worst weeks and months of the year uh, you know, October is a bottoming month, remember now, okay? And now we've moved up and we've gone to the top end. So I think you've got to wait. Now, I think what would be very important is that the small caps 
broke out on a relative strength basis. Uh, that would that would make me extremely bullish, but I am very bullish going into the end of the year. Remember, go away in May and come back on All Souls Day. And look, yeah, I know there's election controversy and all that good stuff, but I've talked about this, you know, the environmental, social, and governance stuff is not going away. The digital world is not going away. And there's the what I call the retail people. You know, we we talked about ride sharing a couple weeks ago. Did you see what happened with those stocks this week? The ride sharing stocks all lifted off. They won in California. They win in New York. They're going higher. Okay. So uh the digital world is out there and it's been accelerated. Okay. So that's a place that you can uh you know you, you know where, where to go. Okay. Now, it's not for everybody, but I also think that dividend stocks are being underappreciated right at this point. And if Mr. Biden does get in and he has, you know, the tax implications that we're talking about, dividends are still taxed at 15% plus the Obamacare tax of 18, okay, of 3%, make it 18. Still a better deal. And you can hold them a long, long time. Dividends don't lie. That would be a good place to go as far as I'm concerned. So, Look, I think the Dow Jones is in this same cross, you know, cross pattern that uh, we, we've talked about, and I think there'll be, uh, you know, uh, there'll be reactions to this uh, news over the weekend, and we'll see what happens Monday. But I think, you know, what we have is an undecided market. Okay, it's that simple. So, you know, be thinking about that, uh, and I think it's very, very important that you think about that stuff uh, to a great degree. So, what would I do now? Okay, look, last week I had a name that was on the prime income list. It was up four or five bucks Friday. I've been buying it along, and uh, it dipped a little bit lower than I wanted it to. But this prime income stuff list, if you do it at the right time, you can make a ton of money. If you do the dividend growth portfolio and you buy it at the right time, you can make a ton of money. All right? So those are available to you if you go to WHK 1420 AM. Go to local podcasts, go down to uh, Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes, and go directly to my uh, webpage, go to Insights, check it out. There's a lot of good stuff happening in Insights, and uh, I think it's uh, a wealth of information there, and it's free, okay? And also, uh, the bulletin board, Bob Dickey's there, and we have a weekly newsletter and a bi-monthly newsletter there, too. Uh, really good information, phenomenal information, sums up the market pretty well. I would also suggest that we have uh, a multi-capitalization portfolio, okay? So there's small caps, there's mid-caps, and there's large caps in there. They've hit some home runs, some big-time home runs. And then finally, uh, our, our small-cap idea is, is phenomenal. They're all available to you. Don't forget the Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook and a Business Owner's Guide to Transition Planning. Uh, if you're trying to sell your business, we can help and uh, – we can also help. Uh, we, we sell businesses pr- pretty regularly, so uh, something to think about. Anyway, a beautiful day. Get out there. It's, <laughs> we don't get 70-degree days very often in November, uh, so get out there and uh, enjoy yourself. Have a great weekend. This is the Smart Investor Show. I am Tim Hayes. Just remember to buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.